Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the Ashes Central Podcast. It was a gripping and at times thrilling day of Test Match Cricket at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Day 5 of the 4th Ashes Test ending in a nail-biting draw. Australia, having entered the day needing 10 English wickets to go up 4-0 in the series, well, they got 9. The visitors ending the finals day's play, 9 for 270 in their second innings, 118 short of their target of 388. In the final hour's play, well, it reminded us all of the beauty and brilliance of the oldest and grandest format of them all, Test Match Cricket. Um, Vashit, Pearson Lynch, Ethan Prabaharan, and Teddy Weirjarvis. We've got a full gang here today as we take a deep breath and try and digest what we all just witnessed. Um, a truly remarkable day of Test Match Cricket. Pearson Lynch, we have to start with you being the resident POM on the panel. The scenes from your household, as recorded on video by the lovely Heather Cup Lynch, um, as Broad and Anderson held on, Ted will ensure that that goes all over our socials um, later on tonight. There will be a link in the description. I think it says probably two things. Um, about this result. One, England have set a uh, horribly low bar for jubilation, the test side in recent times. And two, and I think more importantly, what this result means from 4 from 36 to holding on for a draw in this matchup um, to all those associated with uh, and devoted to English cricket, Pearson. Yeah, I mean, of course, it was a great result. There's a tinge of disappointment. If not for the rain, we could have knocked off the 388 with Broad and Jimmy and gotten the job done and maybe finished the series 3-2. But I'll take what I can get. Well, I'll humble in victory? The draw. <laughs> well, humble in drawing, you should say. But yes, it was a very good result for us. I was, uh, I was surprised, I must admit. I know I was having a constant debate with every other person I speak to about cricket being a lot more pessimistic about England. And I think they all were. I know Ethan is one example and yourself, Vass, who both claim the chances of a draw were much higher than I ever viewed them throughout the entire day up until the end. <laughs> I don't think that will happen very often. I think at least in an Ashes test, well, for, and for England in test cricket, that's probably the best draw we've had since the miracle at Cardiff in 2009. I thought all we needed to do today was show some fight. I thought pretty much every batsman did. I think it's well exemplified by the fact Butler faced out a crucial 38 balls with a broken hand that's actually got him on a plane home tonight. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very pleased with that result as my celebrations, if they do get played on this podcast or on our socials, will quite clearly prove, I suspect. We might have to look into the editing uh, section of this podcast. We might get it slotted <laughs> in there because it really is gold. The only reason I use the word win is because your reactions, both um, uh, from an audio perspective and on Messenger, uh, it was as if you'd won the World Cup all over again. Um, we'll, we'll move to Teddy now. Once again, the Australian bowls failing to bowl out of sight on day five. This has been a recurring theme. We remember India last summer. And again, thinks back to, I know you discussed Pat Cummins and that, 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 uh, circumstances surrounding his declaration yesterday. Um, in the end, one win away, Australia, um, they won't be feeling good about this result. Yeah, no, it, it is definitely becoming a recurring theme now um, in Australian matches. Uh, you know, for, for most of the day, as good as England batted, you sort of felt that we would still get the job done. At, at key points, people were getting wicket lion and got the big wicket of Stokes, you know, kind of you felt just in time. And then Cummins looked like he was going to take over and seal the game at the end also. Perhaps he, he should have kept bowling himself there. Um, sure, we can discuss that more. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of credit does have to go to England on this day. Um, and there were other factors also. You know, the pitch didn't really give us too much um, to help until the, the end where Lyons started to get a bit more turn. 
Uh, and then Stark also was just really not much of a bowler today, um, struggling with the footmarks for the whole whole day. His pace was down for most of the time. Um, just didn't look to be, you know, to have a focus on, on getting wickets. He looked a bit distracted almost at times. So he did let us down a bit today. Um, but really, you know, this happens in the game of cricket. And as you say, it's why we all love it so much. Yeah, indeed. I think we'll start at the end and, and, and kind of work backwards to the start of the um, perhaps at the end, we saw we saw Stephen Smith coming on to bowl. Obviously, the umpires decided that because um, of the consideration with bad light, um, that the only option was to go with spinners. So you have Lyon and Smith, almost um, almost Michael Clark esque. Remember that very famous test back? I think it was oh eight nine or seven eight um, against uh, against India at Sydney, where Michael Clark picked up three wickets in that final. It, it had that feeling about it. Obviously, the result doesn't go Australia's way this time, um, but I kind of your emotions in that final kind of 10, 20 minute period, you know, they, they do finally get Leach out. And then it comes down to those last two as the commentator saying, probably the last time we'll ever see them. I mean, I think definitely probably on the SCG from a test perspective. Um, and they're able to hold on and secure a famous result for, for England. Yeah. I think unlike most people, I thought England were in the box seat for a, a draw pretty much the whole day. Obviously the period after Australia got a wicket um, where it sort of shifted Australia's way. But I think the one time I thought Australia would get it done was when, um, I think we needed two wickets off about 10 overs, 10 overs left. And I thought, okay, now, now is the, finally the time we can um, really put the foot down and, and Cummins was, you know, bowling well. Um, Lyon looked a little bit playable at times. I think Ponting was, was saying that, you know, based on how broad was playing him, you've got to replace him with a pace bowler. But as you mentioned, due to light, that wasn't possible. Um, but it was great seeing Steve Smith get two overs. And when he got Leach out, he sort of felt the game come to life for a little bit. I thought it was a, uh, Probably the right call to bowl Smith over Labuschagne. You know, previously Labuschagne's been, you know, the the go-to sort of backup spinner. Um, and at times I think Smith looked more dangerous than Lyon in those um, last four overs. Um, but yeah, very well played Stuart Broad and James Anderson. I think Broad showed his, you know, his capabilities with the bat. Uh, he's got a test 169 to his name. Uh, and Jimmy, well played. He looked rock solid in that final over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and looking back at this this England side, I mean, Pearson, Johnny Bairstow, I know you're talking depth about that ton in the first innings, but a, a vigil 41 off 105 deliveries in this second innings. Um, so following up his heroics in the first innings with what you could say was a match-saving knock here, um, he finally fell the eighth wicket to go. Um, and you felt that was a big one. Labuschagne taking the catch off ball and uh, inside edge onto the pad and they're bobbing up to him. Um I guess you're also, I want to talk about your feelings towards the end there. We know you were very pessimistic about it, but uh, what did you think were the chances when, um, when it was down to Leach, Anderson and Broad that they'd be able to pull through? Well, so I, I never think we will win a test match. Even if we need one run to win and we're none down and have two days, I still probably assume we will lose. So <laughs> I'm probably not the most reliable source with regards to what are the chances of England winning, drawing or losing. Although I wasn't miles off for large parts of the day, it did look like my prediction of being around six or seven overs to spare that Australia would dismiss us look pretty bang on, particularly after the two and an over from Cummins. <laughs> but we did, we just, just about held on. I admit I was extremely nervy throughout that last hour, but we were carried through by tail enders that I don't think anyone really expected to carry us through. It's good to see Leach has caused mental torment on Australia for the second consecutive Ashes series. He may not be able to bowl, but he's now contributed a lot with the bat in his last two ashes, and that will only elevate his status as a cult hero. I don't think I've ever seen someone on a test match wicket with a worse technique than Stuart Broad in that final hour. 
but who cares? All that goes on the scoreboard is whether he was out or not. And he wasn't. So he did his job and he got us through. I thought there was rather pleasing irony in the fact that probably the greatest modern day batsman was trying to bowl out the greatest modern day bowler to win a test for his side. And I was pleased to see that the bowler won out there. <laughs> I think looking at the final thing, you'd have to look at Bester, which you mentioned. Bester was exceptional again. I think I, I admit I'm slightly annoyed. I would have liked for him to get there to the close. I think had he been not out at the end, he would have been more deserving of man of the match than Kawaja even because of the circumstances in which the runs were scored, which were, I think, quite clearly in tougher conditions with backs of the wall in a way Kawaja's weren't. Although Kawaja was obviously excellent. I think since he went out, Mantle the match does have to go to Kawaja. But I thought everyone in the middle and lower order acquitted themselves well. Butler batted time, other than Mark Wood, but you can't really blame Mark Wood, I don't think. He got a brilliant delivery and a brilliant over from Pat Cummins. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. It's not much more to say. <laughs> well, that's all right. We'll go away from England in a second. And just to confirm, yes, Usman Khawaja did win Man of the Match. Um, but, yes, Johnny Bairstow, certainly in my estimations, not often I give, I give compliments to English players, as Pearson always is reminding me, but um, in terms of respect and also, I think, uh, certainly the best test we've seen from a batsman <clears throat> easily. I mean, the only ton yeah. um, in this series. Teddy, uh, Pearson alluded on Pat Cummins, that one over where he gets those two LBW wickets. Um, the first one, that of Joss Butler, Pearson alluded to um, playing with that broken hand. Rod Tuck, uh, Rod Tuck, excuse me, Paul Rifle gives it not out. Um, bizarre decision. I, I, only thing I can think of is he thought that he hit it, but it was the bat hitting the pad uh, pretty plumb. And then a couple of balls later, Mark Wood, um, a searing in-swinger there on the toe reminded me of Mitchell Johnson back in the 2013-14 series. Uh, he got Stuart Broad in the toe at Perth, LBW. Um, and I believe if from memory serves me correct, that might have actually sent him out for a test. But, um, Teddy, you talk about big moments from this day's play. That was one where you really felt the momentum swing um, towards Australia, courtesy of uh, their new captain. For sure. Um, and it had been a, an uncharacteristic test for Cummins up until that point. You know, he'd been working hard, but never really got super close to getting a wicket, but something changed in that over. And the second ball in particular was, you know, one of the best balls you ever see. The third most uh, a ball has swung this entire series. Um, just, yeah, absolutely nothing Wood can do. And yeah, straight after that, I thought we were all good to, to win the match uh, from then onwards. But uh, yeah, alas, it wasn't to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I saw a tweet at one point that said Scott Boland has more wickets than, than um, Pat Cummins in this series. It's now evened up on 14. Um, I will ask you later on who you guys think has the most wickets. Don't Google it because it surprised me. Um, moving on to perhaps I just mentioned Scotty Boland. Um, you know, we thought was he a one-hit wonder um, at the at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. He now comes to the Sydney Cricket Ground, picks up another three uh, in this innings, including that all-important win uh, wicket of the England captain, uh, Joe Root for 24 caught behind um, his, his bowling averages. I mean, ridiculous. I mean, only two tests, of course, but 8.64 with his 14 wickets. Um, the dream ride continues and it does raise the question. I mean, of course, Hobart to come, but looking ahead, can you drop a man um, who's performing this well? Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It's like, he's like the, the quickest bowler in under 12s and he's you know, getting, getting everyone out for fun and averaging about eight. Um, and the, again, the pick of the bowlers this innings, 24 overs, three for 30. Um, it's really remarkable. He bowls with such accuracy. Um, it's almost like he's an improved Hazelwood uh, of sorts. And yeah, he, he really did look the, the strike bowler. Who would have thought in an attack with, you know, Cummins, Stark, Lyon, that it would be Scotty Boland um, chipping in. And yeah, 
it's confirmed he's not just an MCG specialist. Uh, he's able to perform in other grounds. Um, I think in terms of future selection, Mitch Stark came out of this test with, I think, one for 124. And it's, again, following the pattern of previous summers that in the fourth and fifth test, he ties out and he, he doesn't perform as well. I'd like to see him rested, and that will give Boland um, the extra game. Of course, Hazelwood isn't fit either, so I think we'll see Boland in Hobart. Um, but just looking forward to the subcontinent, you've only got room for two, probably two quicks and, and two spinners. Uh, and so, unfortunately, I don't think we can squeeze Boland in there. I think Cummins and Hazelwood are ranked one and three in the world, respectively. So it'd be very, very hard to displace them. Yeah, I mean, and certainly we'll talk on our, on our preview of the Hobart test. Um, there are selection questions for both teams. Um, one area of selection that won't be, um, you know, up for debate is the spot of Zach Crawley, who um, finally did something that it seems was, you know, the hardest job in world cricket, and that was make runs opening the batting um, for England. Pearson, I'll let you speak on this one because um, I know this is probably something that warmed your heart a lot. 70-70 made up 100 balls before falling LBW um, to Cam Green. Uh, take us through that innings. It was, I was nervous, I must say, that it would get overshadowed by our efforts later on in the day. I think that may well be the case, that looking back, people don't think about how impressive Crawley's 77 was in that innings. But I think you have to say that he was extremely impressive and he did his job and he's pretty much guaranteed his place in the side for a reasonably sustained period, I think. I mean, you look at him and you'd say it was probably, well, it was easily the most fluent knock played by an Englishman this series. Excluding maybe Kawaja yesterday, it was probably the most fluent knock played in the entire series, to be honest. So it is a very impressive innings. I think, I mean, you look at his strike rate was 77. And especially when you're fighting for a draw, to score significant runs at a strike rate that high is impressive. I think also on the plus side, he was probably the first, one of the few dismissals of an over this series where he was undone by a good piece of bowling rather than a poor piece of batting <laughs> so I think he will now well he'll definitely get the kick in Hobart and probably the West Indies and hopefully he can cement his spot of course we've seen he's capable of great innings he scored one of the best 50s you'll see in Ahmedabad in March 2021 and of course he scored his 267 against Pakistan so if he can fix up his few remaining technical flaws I think he'll be one of the at least one of the highest potential test match openers in world cricket going forward. So, yeah, I'm very, very pleased with that innings. And Teddy, your thoughts on that innings? Yeah, well, I think uh, Crawley was really the almost the, well, not the difference, but he was the one who set the tone at the start. And the difference in to other matches this series where they have, you know, shown a bit of fight, Adelaide in particular, it was really the openers getting out so early that stopped them from actually being able to make a push. Um, and, you know, the way he, he put a little bit of pressure back on the Aussies made us think about our field placements a bit differently because of the shots he was playing. It was a, it was a great sign. Probably his innings and Stokes, you know, getting back into form in this match are the two big things going forward for England. You know, a draw, it's really, it, while it's nice at the time, it's just a draw. They're still probably going to lose 4-0 in the series. But those signs going forward that, you know, at least those two players... Um, perform strongly are the good signs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, perhaps moving on to you, we, we, we referenced uh, the declaration, early declaration, uh, late, excuse me, declaration from Cummins yesterday. We've talked about the bowling. There were chances in the field. Um, if you had to, I guess, put your finger on one area where you think probably cost the match for Australia the most, um, what would it be? 
Uh, well, certainly from my perspective, I don't give too much weight to the declaration. I know it was ended up being pretty pivotal, but it was only, I think, two, two, two maybe three overs um, after Clyde made his 100 that we did declare. Sure, I think, yes, they were all calling for, you know, a bit more aggression, a bit more of an aggressive declaration. Um, but I think the, the blame has to go with the missed chances. I think there was three or four drops, dropped chances. And while we dismissed all those bats and it just burns valuable time, it started off with, you know, Kerry dropping Hamid and last of all was Smith dropping Besto. Um, and yeah, we lost seven valuable overs to rain. But um, if you take your chances, then you win the game. Um, and I think if you're going to bowl a side out on day five, so often when you don't do it, it's because you drop, you know, two or three. And that's exactly what happened today. So I think Australia's probably let down in the field. I thought England batted very well. They made Australia get them out. Um, and Australia just weren't clinical enough at times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are... I alluded to earlier talking about um, the leading wicket taker in this series and how it might surprise some. Um, I mean, looking at the list here, I know Pearson, you think that perhaps, you know, Mitchell Stark Seema played all test should be up there and he was um, entering this test, but uh, Nathan Lyon is at the top of that list. 16 wickets um, at 23.56 picked up two um, in this innings. But um, I guess the question, I'm going to start with you on this one, Pearson, does he deserve that mantle? Has this been, you know, a dominant series, a series we've come to expect from someone who has been seen alongside the world's, um, I guess, top echelon of spinners over the years? I mean, look, he's, he's not, I mean, he's top wicket taker, so you can't say he's had a terrible series, but is he had the series of someone like a Boland or someone like a Stark? Definitely not. I think it is worth noting that, yes, he has a stranglehold over Milan, and he also has a couple wickets against Stokes. But the vast majority of his wickets so far this series have actually come against lower order batsmen. He very rarely dismisses top five batsmen that aren't Dawid Milan, which I do think is a fairly notable thing to mention. His strike rate, it's okay. I think it's just over 60 at the minute. I could be slightly off with that. But he's not, he's not being terrible by any means. But I do think, as I actually mentioned yesterday in who will be the key player to bowl England out today, I said it would be Cummins because I don't think that Lyon, despite his magnificent record, is a sufficiently capable fourth innings bowler. I can name Edgerson 2019 is probably the last time I can remember him bowling out of sight on day five. In the meantime, Jack Leach, a clearly inferior spinner, has won five separate tests in that period bowling in the fourth innings. I mean, his average is 17 in the fourth innings. Lyon doesn't really improve on aging wickets. He bowls with greater economy and control and lets others take wickets. But when your pace bowlers have an off day, which by that one Cummins over, I thought he was pretty average today. And I thought Stark was a long way from his best. It's possibly not good enough for what Australia need. <laughs> but he's done well enough. So I think he'll be fine. He's certainly not droppable, despite not having had a series that maybe some Australians had hoped he would. Yeah, and Teddy, I mean, we've seen Jack Leach, and I Pearson might praise him with the bat all he wants to do this series with the ball. It has been a struggle for him. Lyon, um, comparatively, is atop that wicket-taker's list. Um, however, how have you made it? Do you agree with Pearson that um, probably the stats um, don't really tell the full tale? Yeah, I would agree up until the last few overs of the, the match or, or the last period of the match. I think up until the 
Stokes wicket, most of his wickets this series were ones that didn't turn, that sort of went straight, which, you know, isn't great as your main wicket-taking ball for, you know, supposedly one of the best spinners. But that Stokes one was a genuinely good ball. It, it turned a fair bit. And from then onwards, he was he was getting some more turn and, and threatening a bit more. So, you know, it, he does seem to be overly defensive when when it's not turning, doesn't have, have um, a second option that he goes to consistently so it is a bit of an issue and I thought him struggling a bit and Stark were, were the big issues there which is why Cummins probably should have bowled himself a bit more you know coming to the end, end of the game maybe even just kept himself on after he got those two wickets in and over I was expecting him to go through the rest of them but he sort of took himself off put Bolland on who didn't really probably adjust to how they sh- he should have been bowling to tail enders perhaps uh, maybe missed a couple chances there with his bowling. So just the execution in the last few overs wasn't as good as it could have been, I thought. Yeah, it's a good point on Cummins' captaincy as a whole, perhaps um, an early challenge. We know he's, he's had a dream start so far, winning those first three tests. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, gentlemen, before we go in and have our Hobart preview uh, on the next episode, uh, we've just mentioned Lyon is the top of that wicket-takers list. There's a lot of different batsmen who've been in the runs at different tests. Right now, if this was the end of the series, who would be your player of the series? Um, uh, we'll start with Prabs, then uh, P. Lynch, and then Teddy. Oh, that's a hard one, isn't it? Because there's been so many great performances, but no one's really played that many tests. You I mean, Kawaja's fifth in the runs, but he's played one test. Head missed a test. Uh, Cummins has missed a test. I don't think any of the bowlers really stand out too much um but then Labashan had such a good start and then hasn't really um carried on after that I think perhaps slightly controversially I might go Mitch Stark just because he is leading wicket taker but he's also made valuable runs at the bat as well and so I think he's played all the tests all-round contributions and I think he just scrapes it for now yeah agree with that I mean it would be a real risk to play Bolland uh, to select Bolland. I mean, maybe if he goes out and takes 15 wickets in, in the last test, then maybe after three is a selection, but certainly um, Stark there. Sorry, Pearson, go on. No, I, th- I, th- I'm, I think I kind of agree with both of you actually on this. I think Bolland has been the most impressive player of the series, but I don't think he can get man of the series by virtue of the fact he will only play three tests. I think none of the batsmen have really sustained a lengthy period of dominance. You look at from England side, Root and Milan were both averaging 60-odd after Adelaide and have now dropped into the 30s. You look at Labashane and Warner, who have both dropped off in the last two tests. Maybe that's because of difficult conditions. Maybe it's something else. But yeah, I don't think there's been any batsman significantly dominant, which I think leaves Mitchell Stark as essentially the last man standing. He's scored runs that have been key. Of course, I remember well England in 2018 beat India 4-1 in a five-test series because our top order didn't perform and we were bailed out by our lower order pretty much every single test. That, to some degree, has happened in this series with your lot, is you look at Stark, Cummins, and Lyon, Richardson, etc., batted for declarations at some stages, <laughs> but you've added pretty much every test, 100 or 150, after going six down, and I think that's been massive for the series, and I think Stark has been the main batsman in doing that. Well, I think it has to go stuck. I don't think there's any other options. And Teddy? Well, I'm going to go a bit left field here and say David Warner. Um, obviously, the, the players who won us the series are the bowlers, but uh, I think Warner in those first two tests uh, set the tone with the bat, uh, and especially in Adelaide. I think he could have very easily 
been uh, you know an alternate situation where Warner got out cheaply in Adelaide and things were a lot different in that first innings. But you know he struggled at the start and gritted it out, and from then onwards it, it became a lot easier. So obviously the bowlers are the stars of the show this series, but Warner's first two tests were impressive for, for mine, even though he doesn't have a century to to go with it. I don't see how it can go to David Warner. I think he's had a good oh, series. It won't. It I think won't he, go is, through, he is probably, is he leading run scorer? Second leading run scorer? It's him and Labashain up top. I think, I'm not sure I think which one he's doing. has just overtaken him, I think, yeah. And Root also, actually. Okay, that's I'm amazed Roots overtaken him, but I'll take that as a positive, despite the fact he only averages 34. But no, I think I mean Warner's been good, but I think the thing to note with Warner is he's hit two nineties, but he's not hit a telling knock. That's why I don't think it can be Warner. I think you can pinpoint with Stark, even Labashane or I mean maybe not Root, we haven't won a game, but there's batsmen that have won the game with the bat. I think Warner has gotten you into a better position than you otherwise might have in a few situations. But I think Labashain failures would have costed you a lot more than Warner failures. And Labashain has scored more. But I think if you're picking the batsman, you go Labashain personally. But I'm sticking with Stark. Yeah, I think I have to agree what with all that. What do you think, Fast? Uh, well, as I said, I think if Scott Boland goes out and takes 15 wickets um, down in Hobart, then I might be throwing his name in the ring. But I have to agree that considering... Stark has played all the tests. We're yet to see if he'll play in Hobart, but um, I think I'd have to give it to him. I don't see them going with a left field David Warner pick. What I would say is interesting is that all of these players, none of them are who we were predicting coming in. We were predicting Smith, Labashain, or Root, or Pat Cummins, um, you know, and in the end, none of them. I mean, for me, the most exciting has certainly been Kawaj with one test and then as much as Peelich was not a fan of the innings. Uh, and Boland was... I thought it was a very good innings. In no way was it not a good innings. I just thought if Johnny batted that bit better in the second innings, he would have outshot him. Yes, of yeah, course he batted I think well. Bairstow's... I won't stand up for this slander against me. <laughs> he says so with a patronising tone. I think Bairstow's innings... Uh, it's not very often I'm watching an English player bat and I'm enjoying it. I never enjoy it when Joe Root's batting, even if he's making runs. He's got a punchable face. Um, but Johnny Bairstow, uh, I thought he, I thought he played with a lot of grit. Of course, hit on the thumb uh, in that first innings to come out here and arguably save the game. Um, yeah, very impressive from him. Obviously, you've got to go to Albany's side. I would go Stark and agree with uh, Prabs and Lynchy. Wait, wait, let, let me let me dive in. I'm going to dive in one final time, then we can end this podcast. Oh, you, yeah. Well, you, know, your, your side is like, a... go on. What? <laughs> no, one. it's not even about us. On this man of the series <laughs> question, is Pat Cummins out of the question? He set the tone in Brisbane as the best bowler. He's, I think, third leading wicket-taker in the series, equal with Scott Boland. It's his debut series captaining, and he's likely to lead them to a 4-0 Ashes victory. Is there more to his case than meets the eye? If he performs well, well at Hobart. It all comes down to that. So it's reliant on Hobart. Yeah. Okay. Of course it is. So I think that's the case for pretty much every player at this point. So yeah, yeah I, if I, Stark doesn't play in Hobart, does that that won't rule him out, will it? Because Cummins has played four tests too. No, Stark, there's a chance Stark won't. I think Cummins and Boland are safe. They might say Stark well poorly today and go for... No, but I'm saying... Jai Richardson if, might be out there. If Stark doesn't play in Hobart, oh, he's still you. been impressive with the bat, right? Cummins hasn't... 
Cummins yeah. is infuriating to, oh. bat, to watch batting he's live. A, he's he? Had, <laughs> he should be batting nine, but he's not had a terrible series with the bat, has he? Yeah, but he comes out as though he's like a middle-order batsman. He has, like, technique. He'll yeah, yeah, like four off 54 balls and then go out, and what a waste of an innings. Um, support, it supported other great innings, like Travis Head and Pat Cummins. I mean, not in Pat Cummins. And just get Kawhi Mitchell Stark today. in there. I think Stark should be up to eight. We can all agree with that. But um, I think we yes. all agree. Yeah. Anyways, that's it. We've had a, a long chat here, and we'll be back, of course, for our Hobart preview. A lot to talk about selection-wise. I mean, Pearson alluded to Milan. We've got the whole Kawaja Head thing. Um, Kawaja was on record saying that he pretty much expects himself to be dropped again. Um, we've got many things to talk about, and it's going to be very exciting with the day night, the first ever Ashes test down in Tasmania. Uh, we all can't wait for it, um, and I'll see you all on the next show, guys. Yeah. Sounds good. Hopefully they can use their momentum and get it to 3-1. You wait. Well, I mean, who knows? We'll, have, we'll <laughs> just have to wait momentum and see. Shift. Oh, uh, yeah, whatever you say. I'm okay. overplaying this a bit, I think, Jason. But, uh, we'll I mean, let him, let him have his joy. They were throttled in the first three tests. He's he's finally got something to smile about. Let's India, not ruin India that. were bowled all out for 36 in Adelaide. They had a great draw in Sydney, and they won a brilliant test of the Gabba. It's all yeah, they won momentum. the series. You couldn't win the series. Have, it was 15 yeah, only, tests long. And we only Scott by one. We might only lose by one or two. We didn't have Scott Holland back then, also. I'll that's give you that. Scott Although Holland, we didn't what a bigger. fourth innings pitch today. Okie dokie, that's it no, for us today. We'll see you all on the next show. Bye for now.